0: to me like we're going to have another amazing interview today. What do you think?
1: I do too and I don't know that I have a favorite because everyone we've interviewed over the last year and a half has been so interesting and had a lot of information to share with us.
0: Lucky for us what makes our guests so special is their openness and their willingness to share different aspects of their personal lives.
1: Yeah one thing for sure we all learn from each other.
0: everyone hope you've been having a wonderfully creative week i'm rod jones and we celebrate what people love to do creatively by giving them a voice so, you can learn and be motivated from their life's experiences.
1: And I'm Angie Jones. Welcome to Thought Row Podcast. We invite you to subscribe wherever you listen, and we focus on sharing with everyone how they can think, be, and live more creatively.
0: Okay, Angie, how about telling us who our guest is today?
1: Okay, our guest today is Shara Lewis Campbell, and she's a writer, publisher, and co founder of Beauty and the Beast Publishing. We're going to chat with her about her unique approach to finding authors to publish.
0: Char has written numerous books herself. Mm -hmm. Uh, She's quite a talent. So, quote time, Mm -hmm. what do you have for us today?
1: Okay, well, here is our quote for today's episode, and here it is. The role of the writer is not to say what we all can say, but what we are all unable to say. And that is by Anais Nin.
0: Anna Nice In, she was a diarist, essayist, novelist, and a writer of short stories. And I might add, a very colorful person.
1: Right, she really was. And um, but now I think it's time for our interview with Shara Lewis Campbell, and she's quite the writer herself.
0: Yeah, she is. <laughs> Hi, Shara. Welcome to the Thought Row podcast. You know, we're really excited to learn about your life in writing and publishing. I'm excited about this.
1: Yes, me too. Hi, Shara. You have such an interesting life and story, and I'm sure we will all be inspired and
0: motivated by your thoughts and ideas.
2: Oh, thank you. It's good to be here with you both today, and uh, thank you very much for having me.
0: And we hear the little one in the background. Yes. And don't worry about him, we love children. Absolutely. The Thought Row podcast oh, cool. loves kids.
1: Yeah. You might change your mind at the end of this session. Sure. Uh,
0: <laughs> this little uh, one. Think, it's very rambunctious. Yeah, it'll, it'll be it'll be fine.
1: No, yeah, absolutely.
0: Oh, thank you.
1: Before okay. we start the interview, Shara, we always ask the guests, what did they have for breakfast? So what did you have?
2: It's a really good question just gone seven o'clock here in the evening so uh, mm-hmm. that was quite the a long time ago now oh, yeah. um, but <laughs> thinking about it i would have um definitely have had um started my day with a peppermint tea and with a dash of honey and um owing to being at an event last night and not sort of getting into very late this morning i wouldn't have had anything first thing so i would have had left it to the little bit later Mm -hmm. uh, to have had something sort of quite late in the the morning, and for I remember having, I had um, I treated myself to a mango, and I I also had like a a croissant as well to go with it, and that was me.
0: That's a good. That
1: sounds lovely. Good enzymes. (laughs) It was. And delicious. Yeah. So delicious. Yeah. So and it was homemade as well. My um, croissant. Oh, Oh, um, how lucky you are!
0: (laughs) Lucky girl. (laughs)
1: Those are always good. (laughs) Spoiling myself. (laughs) <laughs> so,
0: Shara, why don't you share with us where you're originally from and where you grew up?
2: Yeah, sure. So I'm actually, I was born in a very small place contained in one of the largest uh, cities, if not the largest city called Birmingham in the the UK, in the United Kingdom here. And um, it's a small place called Small Heath. And they all have an accent, which I don't have, because um, I don't particularly like it, if I'm very honest with you. But my parents tell me when I was about just less than three months, we moved to London, and that's where my accent comes from, and that's where I was raised. Oh, interesting. <laughs>
1: well, that's
0: a lovely accent. Yes, very pretty. Thank
1: you.
2: <laughs> Thank you, likewise. <laughs> so,
0: when you were growing up, do you have a favorite childhood memory from there, from that time?
2: Um, not really, because it, 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 in, in a way, I can't think of a particular instance, like offhand at the moment, probably because it just seems so long ago, if I'm honest, (laughs) (laughs) trying to think of one. But um, from what I can recall, um, and it was like one I had most recently as well, when um, I was asked a, a similar question, I remember quite vividly most weekends, if not every weekend, my mum treated me to a really large bar of uh, tolbarone, which is um, it's quite weighty, <laughs> probably about 25 grams. And, yeah, uh, for a young child who would have been, I would have barely had teeth, you know. <laughs> um, I remember, like, being graced with this sort of, sort of like, it's a hard nougat sort of um, almond chocolatey thing. I mean, yes, and, um, we are it's familiar sort of Trying It's so good. Yeah yeah and i love it i still do today (laughs) it's absolutely (laughs)
0: scrumptious and they have great great packaging oh i know so pretty
2: yes yes but i would have one of those gold bars i mean they come in white bars now and so on. but i remember being treated to sort of like the beige sort of gold packaging of it and then the inside would have like the the wrapper on it the foil wrapper and and so on and like the mounds of triangles that I would just try to stuff
1: you know
2: and eat and devour as quickly as possible
1: (laughs) it definitely had an elegance I agree Toblerone when you get it you feel like you're getting something really elegant and especially when you're a kid and grown up right yeah
2: Yeah, I know. And even when I struggle with it today, if I do (laughs) or try to manage a a piece of the triangle within, because um, it's quite a mound. I don't know how I managed it then. I don't know whose idea it was. at home. I wouldn't wouldn't give that to my grandson at that
0: age. Okay, well, now now that you've got us salivating for (laughs) chocolate, I I think we need to move into (laughs) your career.
1: Yeah, well, okay. So let's fast forward to today. And yeah. my question is, when did you first discover you wanted to, a career in writing and publishing? Okay.
2: Well, funny enough, it takes me back to my childhood again. Uh-huh. It's probably the only thing I can ever recall wanting to do for as as long as I was able to read, you know, as, as going as far back as that. Not so much being a publisher, uh, which is what I do today, which I absolutely love, mm-hmm. um, but more so about wanting to be you know, an author, because I was always reading and just loved it. So anything to do with that, I I just always wanted to write my own books as far as I could remember.
1: Well, that's definitely creative. And, you know, and when you when you want to express yourself in the written word, I mean, there's nothing better. Nothing better.
0: Yeah. So, Char, why don't you you tell us about the first book that you wrote? What was it about? And did you self-publish that book?
2: Yeah. So my first book, my first uh, self-published book um, was called McGoran's Beach. And it's actually a beach romance with a bit of an unexpected twist at the end. It's actually the first book is actually part of a trilogy. And it's based on a true story and carries themes regarding prejudice and racism and how the main character was able to overcome those adversities. So it is very much um, uh, was the first self-published
1: publication that I had uh,
2: done, yeah. That sounds <laughs> wonderful. Seems like a long time like, ago as well now. <laughs> like It sounds
1: like a very kind of involved story. How wonderful.
0: Was the process yeah. of you self-publishing, did you find that during the time that you did it, I mean, more and more authors now do self-publish, there mm-hmm. seems to be a lot of advantages to doing that, and there's also yeah. huge advantages of working ah. with boutique publishers, which I guess that's how I would yeah. refer to you. But was that a real challenge, getting that book published?
2: Not really. I think the, the for me, I, I felt that it was more of a challenge actually writing um, the story, you know, and um, having all the content down, etc. I found that that part of it more challenging the first go around. Mm-hmm. Um, but the publishing part of it, I found was um quite easy and probably really straightforward i was so keen to to get it published once it had been written i found that part of the process the first time around quite easy and uh, yeah and, and very straightforward Knowing what I know now, all these years later, I can I can tell you, probably I would go back and strip it all and do it all over again. But I just don't have the time, you know, at the moment. Sure. But um, it's something that I have thought about. But, um, yeah, I was just happy to just get it out there, to be honest. And um, (laughs) however it looks and whatever is uh, maybe could be tweaked here and there, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: tweaked here and there, I don't think uh, detracts from the story, according to the feedback that I get.
0: And that book is available where?
2: It's available on um, my website, which is uh, beautyandthebeastpublishing.net. Okay. Yeah.
0: Um,
2: but it's also available as well on Amazon and on Amazon Kindle.
1: Oh, okay. Oh, okay, Great. so everywhere, basically. Everywhere. Yeah. That's yeah. Very yes, good. everywhere. <laughs> now, I wanted to ask you about Beauty and the Beast Publishing, because I know you, yeah. along with your associate, founded Beauty and the Beast Publishing, which is your publishing company. Tell us a yes. little bit about it.
2: Yeah, sure. Well, prior to forming Beauty and the Beast Publishing, I had had a, a small previous uh, company, a publishing company, just prior to that. And that was when I had first published. So, McGoran's Beach and so forth. So, I opened a smaller, uh, very small publishing company, just a one-man band, and um, running that successfully for about a year or so. But it was being revamped. And then thereafter that, I decided um, I... Had been in somebody had been in contact with me on behalf of my associate business partner Andrew uh, Foster, and at the time when they contacted me on his behalf, it was that he was uh, very desperate to become a published poet and author mm-hmm. um, with his obols and was becoming quite uh, frustrated about it. And the main reason for that was because he was incarcerated at the time so i felt compelled when i heard the story about you know how desperate he was to publish and i could resonate and relate a lot to that at the sure. time yes. so i felt so you know feeling very compelled to do so i was in the process of revamping my previous publishing company and um, we set to work and within about 2 weeks we had published his first had, had got the first book ready for publishing mm-hmm. and we managed to considering all the obstacles we were able to do that very seamlessly without a hitch to be honest which I was we were both really surprised about as well as it could be done right. you know considering all the factors so um we were most pleased with that outcome and then um as there once we published and with um you know the success of that publication mm-hmm. Andrew was very keen to uh publish again and I was very keen to do so as well because um you know not only to sort of uh support him as an author in his position I also felt as well that it would be just felt it was like a bit of a calling to be honest and um mm-hmm. I also felt that Andrew wasn't the only person um that was uh experiencing that and I wanted to continue, but I didn't want to do it. I wanted to make it more fairer um, to both of us, you know, rather it just being a, you know, an advantage for me. And uh, we just discussed opening up a publishing company together. Mm -hmm. And instead of revamping the previous company that I had, we decided that we were going to just form this new company, Beauty and the Beast Publishing, which we did in uh, December 2020.
1: So it's a fairly new company. That's really interesting. So your partner currently is incarcerated right
2: he is yeah he's just uh currently waiting release
1: that's incredible that you can you can yeah. do this with someone and then i feel like it really gives someone really inspiration to go out and do something once they get out that that was probably a passion for him as well exactly you also yeah.
0: you also have a bit of a logistic thing here too because yeah, isn't he in the united states
1: that's right yes
2: um based in um
0: um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so there is guys. a bit of a
2: logistical problem. Yeah. But we are doing it. We work internationally anyway, you yeah. know. So, yeah, we've, we've published authors um around the world. So we just can continue with the same process. And we realize that we've got a really good formula. And uh, we work extremely well together, and it's been quite successful to date. I mean, um, in terms of aspiring authors, we've managed to publish 66 to date, and 16 of those have been incarcerated, or in halfway uh, homes, or have since been released, you know, from their incarceration at the time when they're uh, we connected with them, as well as other um, aspiring authors from other backgrounds, you know, from other hardships as well.
1: Mm-hmm. That's interesting. <laughs> I, I hear a little one in the background. He's so cute. I know he's making so much noise. No, no, he's, he's adorable. <laughs> I, I wish we could see him. I wanted to ask you, uh, Shara. So you published over sixty books in a matter of two years, practically, right?
2: Yeah, over sixty. In fact, I'm just thinking about the ones that I've just done in the last week. So that's, uh, I think, believe it's sixty eight. We've done. That is
1: quite an endeavor. Congratulations on that. Just that alone is is tough work. Yes,
2: I think so. I think it's good competition uh, for traditional publishers, anyway. Yes, (laughs) it is. It
0: very much is. Well, that kind of goes along with what I was going to ask you or say next. Mm -hmm. We know you've put a tremendous amount of time and effort into publishing your books along with other books. Uh, Describe the type of people that you believe would really enjoy the books that you have written and or published who's your audience who's reading these books that you've written
2: We publish in most genres, um, barring a few. So I feel that we are open to most sort of demographics. And we've been quite surprised with the audience that have um, read them. Just yesterday I was at an event and um, quite a few um, young men were interested in reading the books when I was telling them the the stories, you know, of of how, you know, who who would publish the books, etc. And a little bit about the background of my company as well. Um, which we yes. are keen to learn. So it seems to me that the the demographic can be quite varied. Um but the ages um seem to range from anyone in their late teens, um, to to people that we were in their sixties that we were purchasing the books yesterday. So nice. <laughs> um, you know it's a, nice. yeah, it's quite <laughs> quite a, a wide range in demographic, which I'm quite uh, pleased about. And um Yeah, I would say that anyone who comes from a disenfranchised um, background would be very keen and very interested to read our books because they could uh, resonate with the struggle and overcoming adversity, et cetera. Yeah,
0: that's Um, a good point. mm, That's a very good point you just made. How do these people find you as a publisher or are you out seeking authors that fit your mission?
2: Yeah, so there's several ways. I mean, um, I think in terms of in terms of our Branding and, and that we're doing so many books at the moment. what's happened is, is that the word is getting out and obviously our awareness and um, you know obviously with collaborative working as well also helps as well um, put us out there. with also like speaking to people like yourself as well that have such a, a large audience <laughs> mm-hmm. um, means that we can reach uh, an even greater um, demographic as well, you know, just to make them aware of the services that we, <gasps> that we provide, etc. And also the fact that um, as well as that, we do lots of uh, events and we are also associated with other uh, uh, writing forums as well um, and other writing industries that we work with. And and they also have their own platforms, for instance, and we work, we are global syndicates with another writing platform called 360
1: Nation Mm -hmm.
2: and on that platform, they have um, over 2.5 uh, visitors almost daily to the uh, website. So it's one of the largest writing platforms. And we, we are also on there as well with our own profiles, as well as we do lots of project work with them as well. So as well with as well as other mm-hmm. uh, partnerships as well. I don't want to discredit anyone, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, forget about anyone. So and that helps to kind of, uh, you know, keep us out there and uh, we're consistently working.
0: You are busy. You
1: are a busy lady.
2: Very. Yeah. Yeah. We don't. We barely sleep. Honestly, we are that busy because we work across continents as well. When
0: you're
1: international, (laughs) then you really can't sleep because you're trying to catch up with each other.
2: Exactly. So yeah. (laughs) And um, you know, as you know, between uh, GMT or British Standard Time and EST, for instance, there's five hours difference. So (laughs) well, we stay open.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yes. Yes. (laughs) You know, I'm fascinated by the quote that you use from Nadine Right. And this is the quote. The truth isn't always beauty, but the hunger for it is. What meaning does that quote have for you? It's a great quote, by the way.
2: I mean, Nadine Gordimer is uh, someone, um, he is a, I would say, very much an underrated um, author who is also a Pulitzer uh, Booker Prize winner as well. Mm -hmm. Um, She wrote, she's, uh, she was a South African writer who wrote about the truth as she saw it in terms of segregation and so forth, as according to the events that were taking place at the time when she was writing. You know, she wrote from a place of censorship, you know, where it wasn't encouraged um, for people to write about the truth. And, uh, you know, because of her writing, she was able to sort of shape apartheid and have a real positive influence on it, you know, which we're so grateful for, because um, mm-hmm. it's been able to change the narrative and just to change the way of, of the way that people think, you know, in terms of segregation And racism, prejudice and things, and censorship even. Yes. So for me, just looking at even the demographic that I work with and the work that I'm involved with and the humanitarian aspects of our work, as well as the compassionate um, way in which we lead. I feel that it often is the case that the process isn't often beautiful, so I can really resonate. Mm-hmm. And um, and having experienced some of the things that she speaks about, not to that extent, but having personally experienced a few key issues uh, or topics that she writes about that um, I relate to,
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know, I agree with the statement, you know, that the truth isn't often uh, beautiful, but I, I do feel that the process of finding out the truth can be
1: that's Very great. much so, quote. yes. A hundred percent. Now, I know um, we were talking about your partner who's incarcerated. Yes. And I yes. know that on your website, you mention this term, social restorative reform. That's Can right. you tell us about that, Shara?
2: Yes. So outside of the business work that we, the business that we have, we are also very staunch supporters of social justice reform. Yes. And um, what we do is that we raise awareness and, and we campaign about that through our nonprofit uh, organization called The Shift. Um, and it's really the only course of avenue that we tend to use to promote. And we would just like to see more of a we would like to see more equality, you know, within the world and just people being treated fairly, you know, irrespective of their background or race or, mm-hmm. you know, their history or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's what we promote and we advocate for. And at the moment, we feel that um, nonprofit is based here in the UK, but we are currently going through a process of transition yes. um, where we will be moving it to the States, uh, the United States, because we feel that um, there's more cause and need for it there. So, um, yeah, it's um, really going through an exciting period at the moment where we are going to be really launching it. And, uh, yeah, with a whole new board of directors and a new focus. Mm-hmm. And I look forward to bringing you or um, launching that and, uh, you know, bringing you the details um, as and when they uh, happen. So we're currently going through a phase of transitioning that company and also making doing more promotion Mm -hmm. around social uh, justice reformation. Yeah. And it's just a really exciting time. I think that there needs to be a period of change and I would like to have a, a, a hand and a say in that.
0: Absolutely,
1: and, I, and you're making a difference, and that's what it's about. Well,
0: change is an yes. issue that the entire world has to deal Absolutely. with. Absolutely. Uh, it's not yes. just this country. It's every it's country. Everywhere. It's but everywhere. I want to ask you, I, I want to get back to publishing, in the, I've got a question regarding that. Let's say I have been working on a legacy book. What would you yes. tell me as the most important thing when it comes to conveying my story to readers? Seeing how you're a writer and a publisher. <laughs> yeah. And no, I'm not writing a legacy. (laughs) But I want to know if I decide to, what do you have to say? Or someone. Or someone, yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, that's the kind of writing that we are very, very interested in. Because, I mean, those books sort of stand the test of time. You know, those are real authentic stories that mean a lot to society. And so many people benefit from them. When I wrote McGoran's Beach, that is also uh, talking about a period of life, you know, uh, and transition that I went through um, when I lived in Australia, you know, for four years. And um, that is also part of my legacy. And I feel that so many people can learn um, from the themes that that arise in um, that have come out of that book in terms of. Overcoming adversity, I think it's such an important topic these days, you know, um, and it's not spoken about enough.
1: Mm-hmm. And I
2: think that's just how people can learn as well. And I just think it's so important for people to give their testimonies because it provides legacy.
0: Well, I'm it sure. does. And we all can have different perspectives. I mean, we all have different experiences, life experiences. Exactly. And we have different perspectives on life and our own interpretations. Some of them are very personal and very accurate, and others may yes. not always be accurate, but it was relevant to the time that we were living and thinking and being. So okay. I think you covered it really well there.
1: Absolutely. So oh, thank you.
0: get out my pencil and paper and yeah, I'll get start busy. my <laughs> legacy book. I definitely
2: yeah. recommend it. <laughs>
0: Boy, that'll be all over the place.
2: Boy, yeah. <laughs> you know, most of the, the stories that, um, that we, books that we published, especially people from the groups, the demographic that I've mentioned, they often do tell their stories, whether it just be a part of their stories or, you know, their entire, mm-hmm. you know, story. I, we, we wrote, we published, sorry, a, a book for a client once, and um, his story um, had been written over a period of 40 years before we published it
1: it. My goodness,
2: you know, yeah, it was, um, and it was written, it was about his transition um, with spirituality. And uh, we published that book for him. It was just such an amazing experience for us to be able to do that, you know,
1: that well, that's so valuable to everyone, especially on the spiritual level, where you can, you know, perhaps evolve or hearing and, and reading other people's perspectives on that really. It makes a huge difference, and it, it does, does. It does
0: take a life of experiences. You know, somebody's spirituality at eighteen years old is going to be yes. quite a bit different when they turn sixty yeah. or seventy. I agree. And the older you get, you look at your spirituality changes. Oh, so you evolve. You, thank you. You, you do yeah. evolve. And yeah. And, and yeah. and it's also very interesting to hear what somebody, what their thoughts and ideas are when they're a teen, and yeah. then what yes. they think when they're. Having midlife crises <laughs> and then yes. what they may think yes. about when they become more <laughs> mature. I mean, the interesting thing about age and time is that for the most of us, it kind of seems to mellow us out a little bit and we don't yes. sweat stuff so bad. Yeah. You know, we yes. don't take ourselves so seriously and others so seriously. <laughs> and we get to the point where, you know, okay, I've got that behind me. Thank goodness. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so I, think, I, I, think, I think that I suspect also some of the people that you publish, they're evolving. And maybe yes. the book that you publish that they have written today could be a heck of a lot different five years from now or 10 years from now. Because and I have to go back to the fact that if some of these authors are incarcerated, there's a reason why they are incarcerated. Yes. But they're evolving. Yes. And it's kind yes. of You're cool. It's, yeah, but I think... And, Shari, you probably know more about this than me, but I think the process of just writing is like people when they journal. It's very revealing, yes. and you go through a lot of self-discovery. Mm-hmm. And you're allowing, yeah. you're allowing these people the opportunity to go through self-discovery. And then not yeah. only that, they have the thrill and the enjoyment of saying, I'm a published author. That was a really good answer, Shar. I really yeah, like the absolutely. way you expressed that.
1: So since at Thought Row Podcast, we celebrate what people love to do creatively, and there's a lot of people in the world that like to write, even if they're just doing some journaling. What kind of satisfaction do you derive, and why do you think writing is so good for virtually everyone?
2: I think in terms of writing, it's good for so many things. I think it's just a universal way of communicating. I also related to therapy Sometimes, I don't know, you can use it for many instances. If you're upset about something, you can just write it down and just move on, you know. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I think it's a way of just expressing yourself that you can do either privately or publicly, you know. um, And there's various ways and there's various things that you can uh, write about and and how you can utilize it once written. Um, And I just think that writing itself is just a very powerful form Powerful medium um, in terms of communicating. And I think that anybody yeah. who has the skills to be able to write a book and uh, <laughs> and then go the extra mile of having it uh, published, it's just really, a, it's a wondrous thing, honestly, it really is.
0: I think there's a lot of anxiety also oh. when people write a book and then they constantly think well is this ever is anybody ever going to read it you know I think everybody yes. kind of worries about that mm-hmm. but in mm-hmm. the reality you shouldn't worry about that you should just get the thing written and then yes. worry about publishing it later
1: mm-hmm.
2: exactly mm-hmm. I think there is a bit of that I mean um, and, I, and I also think that's where a lot of safe writing comes from within the industry and that's they tends to be um, industry tends to be oversaturated with people that mimic other writers or everybody wants to be a jk rowling rather than just be themselves you know and um that's what's going to make the difference you know and people in reading those stories
0: we call that follow the follower following Mm. the follower and not following your own intuition who is the uh, the artist the writer who wrote the Mm yearly
1: Oh, gosh. Now you're mo- blank.
0: Yearly. Um, Yearly.
1: And I love her she lives so in much. Florida. Yes.
0: Or lived in Florida. I admire Florida.
1: her so much. Oh, she, gosh, Rod, I'm completely she was.
0: She was always trying to write a more about europe and history and things like that and she was having a right. tough time nobody would pay attention to her books her publisher said look nobody wants to read this and he said why don't you read about your life in florida and she had this little yes. orange ranch and all kinds of interesting things happen
1: okay i remember now her name is marjorie kinnan rawlings yes right. rawlings. and i love her yes. so much Oh, yes.
0: <laughs> but that makes a lot of, you know, what you just said makes yes. a lot of sense. So makes so much yeah. sense.
2: You know, we need more writers that do write more for themselves rather than trying to be somebody that they're not, you know. We do need more authentic writing because it's that writing that's going to change things, you know, um, this safe writing. It doesn't, it's not very impactful at all.
0: Well, people are trying to, you know, just like artists too. I mean, it's just a lot of people will... Create, they see somebody else successful because they're painting roses. So they start painting yes. roses and hope they can sell their roses. And before you know it, there's a whole bunch of doggone paintings of roses everywhere.
1: Mm-hmm. So they
0: all of a sudden the, the shine on the rose has lost itself. You know, there's a lot to the process of publishing a book and probably the second part of that process is getting that book distributed so people have the opportunity to read it. What are your thoughts on that, the distribution side of this?
2: To be honest with you, I think that in terms of the distribution, I'm I'm not sure – I think probably more calls for it on the traditional side of uh, publishing. And even there are ways of doing the traditional publishing without the distribution side of things as well. But I think in terms of um, self-publishing, it's it's no different, probably just that the budgets are different. So it's really about the ownership is on the author in terms of Or depending on the arrangement that you have with the publisher um, to make sure that they are responsible and have an ownership, they are responsible for the distribution side of things, you know, to get the book out there really is down to them. But there are a number of ways that you can do that. And if you look at the things at the money that's earned by a KDP, and you know the the monthly earnings for that, right. the potential for that is far greater um, than you would find on any side of uh, traditional publishing, and um, the investment that's going into it, um, it, it far supersedes and outweighs traditional publishing by far these days.
0: No, that's interesting, and it's also. If you're the author, it's your book. You wrote it. You own it, and it's your responsibility to do whatever you can to market it. You need to exactly. go out there and sing you know seeing your story and let people yep. know what you have written. And then a certain percentage right. of people are going to say, "Hey, I like what you wrote, and I can't wait till you write another one."
2: Exactly. I mean, um, you know, I wrote my first book in 2016, and you know, people are still buying it today, you know, I mean, sometimes I kind of remember what was in the book, you know, <laughs> you know. and they, they kindly remind me, you know, I suppose when you, after a while, they do just sort of, you know, you're always moving on, aren't you, progressing and wanting to improve your writing, and I suppose that's why we do it so often, you know, I'm about to release my eighth this year, and, um, you know, I, I think it's come, a, uh, my writing has come a long way and has a lot more purpose. Than when I first
1: wrote, which is really important to me. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, you know what? You want to be a good writer? Write.
1: Well, also, don't yes. you, you discover so much about yourself as you're doing yes. the writing process and developing your stories? And you start to, I think, don't you think that you, there's a maturity if, that you acquire as you do the different books that you're doing?
2: I think so, and I and I, I think that um, there's definitely a maturity in terms of the learning process as well, you know, and how much your no book is ever the same. I mean, um, I've just released well, well we've just published um, one that will be coming out well, that will be the 69th <laughs> yeah. um, on I think next Monday, uh, the 25th, and you know looking at the content the layout the cover the work that's gone into that i'm so proud of that particular publication and that would be our most recent to date and i suppose there's no bigger critic than the than me myself that you know sure. doing the work of and course, um, yeah. you know i'm so proud of this particular piece especially and i suppose even more proud of still that um it was actually a publication for my business partner as well <laughs> makes me even prouder oh and, that's um, great yeah, yes yeah but but looking at it looking at the cover and everything i'm so proud of everything i mean usually when we put something out i know the the technical problems that we've incurred with it and what could be slightly tweaked here or what i would improve and so on but with this particular publication we we're just about to release There's nothing I would change. We're happy with every single aspect of it. I mean, it's been hard to get it there because we do come up with different issues every time we publish, you know, especially when you're using um, someone else's platform to do that. You're only in control of so much. But um, we're so proud of it. I mean, that will be now the template for us and the standard going forward. Oh, like
1: when you say that, I I internally sigh for you because it's like when you when you get things to work in concert with one another, and then at the end you're like, yes, this is exactly how it's supposed to be, without feeling like, oh, I should have done this, I should have done that. That is so. Congratulations on that.
0: Oh, thank you very three. much. So, Shara, oh, have, thank uh, you. I have a deeply uh, a deep personal question for you. Um, yes. You do, yeah. okay? <laughs> no, the reality is is we all have insecurities, and sometimes yes. it's hard to keep motivating ourselves to keep going. Wake up every day and pursue what it is that we eat breathe sleep and think about and sometimes yeah. the creative muse just doesn't seem to be anywhere around in fact I lost that <laughs> muse a few times what do you do what do you do when you're when you're just
1: not feeling, it's it. not
0: feeling it it's not yeah. coming together for you
2: I just battle on through um, I take a break Mm -hmm. And um, I don't quit. I don't give up. I'm the most relentless person I know. And um, I can assure you, when I first started doing this um, and uh, when I did the first book cover, for instance, with the first uh, collaboration for myself and uh, Andrew, you know, when we first started, I balled up in a corner at one point and I just said, I just can't do this anymore. I don't think, you know, I've got it within me. We were you know, putting up with so many technical problems and when you're first starting out the the equipment's quite poor, you know. <laughs> you're just you know, you're just starting out and uh yeah, you know, you're just hoping for the very best and you know, I, by then I'd run out of ideas, you know, the idea was that I didn't want to do this anymore. But, you know, once you take a, a bit of a break and a bit of a step back mm-hmm. um, from the situation and really think things through, um, you know, the ideas come and, you know, with a bit of prayer and faith and uh, belief, self-belief.
1: Mm-hmm. Sure. And,
2: um, you know, if, if other people who are probably not even qualified, which I am, <laughs> you know, something I uh, failed to mention, but... um you know if other people can do this you know there is there is no reason why you can't it's like driving isn't it you know no. we eventually all learn how to and mm-hmm. um, some good as others you know some better than others and um you know we continue the course but in terms of my own creativity i am brimming with ideas it doesn't stop I wish they would sometimes, you know, give me a bit of a breather. Um, and I suppose that's why I work so hard, because uh, True. there are so many ideas and so many things that come from offshoot from other things that I have done, you know, we have done. And, you know, we're just so keen to maximize on those things. And, um, you know, if it's a good idea, we'll do it.
0: And, okay. Um, you know, I want to I want to get a couple more questions in here before we have to yeah. go. And my I know for a fact that writers are usually prodigious readers. Yeah. What is what are your favorite books that you've read? And don't give me a list of sixty-seven books because we don't have time. (laughs)
2: Uh, One of my oh, that's a very very difficult question to answer. To be honest, I mean, there's a few. I would say there's one now that I absolutely love, and I would say if I could just say my favorite book at the moment, I would say yeah, that's fine, that's good. Yeah, Yeah, is the Ultimate Coach by Steve Hardison. I absolutely love the book. Loved it so much. I highly recommend it. I recommend that everyone should read it. Um and not just be, you know, taken aback by the um it's it's coaching for life, you know, for, for your personal life and I would thoroughly recommend it. So yeah, that would be my personal book of choice.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay, <laughs> that's, that's a good I run, mean, it's actually. a motivational book. It helps you yes. in your business and your occupation. So yes. that's a very good uh, in yes. every aspect exactly. yeah. yeah i like reading books like that myself more than yeah. than uh novels i like reading oh, things yes. that help my brain
1: yeah that's right and help me be
0: more productive and and do what we do better i mean we read stuff about podcasts i agree well, yeah. yeah
1: that yeah. way that way you get yeah. advice outside of your immediate zone i guess so that's kind of a good yeah thing. I-
2: I totally agree with you. I I would be like that. And I think even with a good novel, you should have a good message as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah, sure. That's
1: so true. (laughs) So, and unfortunately, now we're getting to the point where we have to, we are going to ask you the question we ask all of our guests, which Mm -hmm. is if you could sit on a park bench and chat with anyone from the past, who would it be, Shara? Oh,
2: that's a, a big question as well. I think... I tell you who I'd like to continue Mm -hmm. a conversation with because it was only ever a fleeting and brief conversation that I had had. Um, This was back in 1994, 95, I believe. And um, I briefly met with Nelson Mandela.
1: Oh, so if I was on a park bench,
2: yes. So if I was on a park bench, I would definitely would like to continue that conversation.
0: You know, and it's funny,
2: isn't it? I've chosen someone from that demographic as well, which I didn't even think about.
0: You Excuse know what? Me. It's really that's another interesting factor or thought. I mean, what I like to say is we had an artist on, yes, yes. Portenza, Potenza, who who, right. who met worked Nelson with him. Nelson Mandela, who was, who supported wow. her art. And uh, she did mention that. So, yeah, that's a good person to chat with. Very good person. I think you could learn a thing or two.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. (laughs) Yeah, it would be an amazing experience. (laughs) Okay, that's a
0: great answer. Well, I hate to do this, but Shara, uh, both Inge and I really enjoyed your unique perspective Mm
1: -hmm. on the world of
0: writing and publishing. I think our listeners are going to really pick up on your genuineness you're, you're a very genuine yeah. person and you are quick oh, to share you. some thoughts and ideas that other people can use and yes. so thank you for letting us in on your life's experiences
1: yes thank well, you sure and, oh,
2: you're most
0: welcome.
1: Oh, and thank you for and thank sharing. Thank you so much
2: for having me.
1: <laughs> oh, we loved having you and and your thoughts on this and in very inspiring and interesting story about um your publishing company, very unusual, but gosh, I I think you're going to do so many great things with it.
2: Thank
1: you. I hope so, too. <laughs> mm-hmm. But now it, it comes the time when I need to let everyone know if you'd like to know more about Shara Lewis-Campbell. We will have links for her under the show guest tab on ThoughtRowPodcast.com. So everyone can learn more about her and please connect with her on social media and check out her website.
0: Yeah, it's it's definitely worth checking out what she's doing right now. You will find it fascinating. But thank you, Shara, yes, for being with us. Thank you.
2: You're
0: most welcome. Thank you. Okay, bye. Bye
2: Bye-bye.
1: Also, if you're enjoying our podcast, both Rod and I would really appreciate you buying us a cup of coffee. Just go to thoughtrow.com, scroll down a bit, and you can find that link right on our website on the
0: homepage. It's really easy to do, by the way. Yes, it is. And all the money we receive goes to our production costs. Yep. And primarily because we want to keep our show commercial free and we want to continue to bring you the best quality content with great guests.
1: That's right. Thank you for listening to Thought Row Podcast.
0: I'm really glad you tuned in today. We hope you enjoyed the thoughts and ideas we shared with you.
1: We post a new podcast every week so remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. So it's bye for now from my husband Rod and I wishing everyone a great day.